Um, hello everyone. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Erica Shima. I'm a member here at the table. Some people call me Sheems. If you ever look at my name tag while well, I'm greeting, that's what it says, and that's what it is. It's a nickname, so there you go. Um, cool, I thought I uh, might have a little prompt up here, but I'll pull out my phone. Christmas Eve, we got Christmas Eve happening at the table next Friday. Um, that's gonna be at 7 p.m. We are really looking forward to being in person and celebrating together, um, so we hope that you can join us for that. As a reminder, there will not be childcare, so we expect those kiddos to be in the sanctuary with us. Um, and do big church, as I like to call it, with us. So that'll be super exciting. Um, we will be taking a Christmas Eve offering as well, and that this year is going to Ace in the City, and they're doing really good work in the Powderhorn neighborhood and just creating a space for people to belong and be known and be loved, and we're all about that here. So there's that. Um, yeah, perfect. Uh, if you would like to give to the table outside of the Christmas offering, we're always happy to take that as well. There are many ways to give. Old school way is going to be right up at the front there in that little box. You can throw some cash money, some checks, uh, an IOU. Um, that works. Otherwise, you can go to the website and on the giving tab, uh, make your donation there. Um, lastly, you would like to stay in the know, you can do that and receive those wonderful text messages, whether it's going to be a cancellation notice due to COVID in the state of our world, or if it's gonna be a reminder for you to show up to an event that is happening outside of these four walls. Um, and you can do that by texting the word TABLE to 33222. And I think that's about it. Does anyone have any announcements they would like to give? Cool, just, all right. Oh, yes, perfect. Um, since we're celebrating Christmas Eve on Friday the 24th, we want you to spend that weekend with your family. So don't show up here on the 26th. Spend it at home or outside doing all the good holiday things. Cool. Am I turning it over to you? Turn it over to you oh, for the Advent reading. Thank you. Hi, everyone. In the songs we sing and the sermons we endure, the smiles we flash and the small talk that lingers while others leave, God of love, remind us again that love is not a point, but the point of our lives. That while faith and hope have a place in our stories, our first place belongs to the call of love on our lives as lovers. When the hands of the homeless, friendless, joyless, and lost knock on our doors in search of a room, God of thems, may we learn the language of love and always make room for you. We light a candle tonight for love, the essence of the divine and the aim of our lives. When we read St. John's words that remind us that you so loved the world that you gave your only child up for it, we remember that at the center of our faith is this conviction that people are worth dying for. May we embody this truth, say yes to love's call, and be the place where love is born next in the world. And say this with us together. The light of love shines in the darkness 
and the darkness cannot put it out. It's you guys. It's so quiet in here after all the kids left. That was so fun. I got to make sure this is just right because we're live streaming and we're trying to do it a little better. We haven't had a lot of success in the quality of our live stream, so we're working on it. Well, hi everyone. My name is Debbie Manning. I'm one of the pastors here at the table. And it's so good to be with you in this Advent season. And as Christian mentioned, you know, Christmas is a few days away. And as I was preparing for tonight, I was thinking, how bizarre that one week from tomorrow it's over. Christmas is come and gone. And it just seems like it's crazy that that would be the way it is. For some reason, this Advent season has gone fast. But I'm going to tell you, every year when I stand up here, because I usually preach at least one of the sermons during Advent, I usually talk about how crazy it is or how frazzled I feel. But I had a different experience this year. And I have to be honest, it's the first time in my entire adult life that I've had a different experience during Advent. And here's the beauty of it. It was a forced different experience. So back in October when my daughter Annie had a birthday, her husband Jake gave her, their big cross-country skiers, some skis for their burley and a trip to Bearskin Lodge on the Gunflint Trail for a weekend. There, there we all are, and they invited us up. So last weekend, the four, five of us, Sam's two, daughter Sam is two, we headed up to the Gunflint Trail, and I gotta be honest, before we left, Steve and I are both like, what were we thinking when we agreed to go in the middle of December up to the five hours north of the Twin Cities to the Gunflint Trail? But I gotta tell you guys what happened. Once we were there, it was a forced quiet, no cell phone coverage, and it was so quiet. They had gotten two feet of snow the night before, groomed all the trails, so there was snowshoe trails and the cross-country ski trails, and it was sunny, 20, no wind. I mean, it does not get better than that for us outdoor Minnesotans. And when we got out there, and we spent that time in the quiet, and we paused, because we had no other choice but to pause, here's what happened to me. We were out on the lake one day, late afternoon, and the evening came, and the moon came out, and the stars. There's baby Sam holding a lantern. And we had this moment, actually a long 30-minute moment. Those three went in, and Steve and I stood out there. And I looked at my husband, and I said, I forgot. I forgot what it felt like to feel disconnected to God. I forgot like the depth of that love, that God with us. The thing that, quite honestly, most of my faith life, my spiritual life, that's sort of what has undergirded it. Much more than my religious knowledge, it's been this deep sense of God with me. But I realized in that moment that I've been in kind of a dry season. That this whole fall I'd been operating, sort of, have you done that where you feel like you're half awake? like loosely connected with God, that there's a few moments here and there, but that most of my energy and time had been taken up with a lot of worry and fear and weariness over how do we be the church? How do we do this? Even in life, here we go again. Should I go there? Shouldn't I? Should I cancel this thing or shouldn't I? And it was this moment, these moments, this time, where I was able to be reminded of God's love the witness of God that really matters. And the good news is I'm talking about love tonight. We're in a series that we're calling A Quiet Day. And you've heard Christian and Matt talk about hope and joy and peace. And tonight I'll be talking about love. And we're continuing on in the book of Isaiah. 
And just as a reminder, Isaiah is this prophet, this visionary, that he revealed this word to God's people about how to live a God-centered life. And you can break up the book into two parts, first and second Isaiah, that first 39 chapters, which is really a lot about God's judgment and warnings and calling his people back and a lot of ignoring. And so we can look at it and think of it as first Isaiah being pre-exile, sort of the anticipation of being in exile. And then from chapter 40 on, second Isaiah, it's post-exile. The assumption is we are in exile when we start out there. And these folks that are in exile, they feel far from God. And you can imagine that it's five decades later from the time that Jerusalem and the temple fell and that they were taken into Babylonia. And you can imagine that during their time, there was a lot of struggling and wrestling and questioning like if this Yahweh is really the God, how did he allow this to happen? How did he allow us to be thrown into exile? How did he allow the temple to fall, to Jerusalem to fall? And I think why this text can speak to us today is that often we too feel like we're in exile and it can look a lot different. It can be this the exile of grief or broken relationship, that weariness. It can be all those things that make us feel far from God. But where we land in 2nd Isaiah tonight, the mood completely shifts and it goes from warning and judgment to comfort and hope, reassurance, promise that yes, my people, you will return to Jerusalem. And so tonight, as the prophet is speaking directly to God's people, we're in Isaiah 43. And hear these words because they are my favorite and they are beautiful. But now God's message, the God who made you in the first place, Jacob, the one who got you started, Israel, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name and you are mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. And when you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. Because I am God, your personal God, the holy of Israel, your savior. I paid a huge price for you, all of Egypt with rich Cush and Seba thrown in. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back trade the creation just for you. So don't be afraid, because I am with you. You know, this is a passage that I have used for decades. Like, I can't even tell you how many times, pastorally, and in all sorts of circumstances. And I can look out in this room, and I can look at a lot of you, and know that we have sat in this passage together, that we have prayed over this passage together. And I can think of my own Sam and Jenny, and Andrea and Phil, and Ben, and Emily, and Maddie, and Sean, we read this passage and prayed before you gave birth to your babies. And then I can think of the Johnsons and the Fows and the Larsons, my own sister. I think, I don't know if Julie's here, but your mom, Joey, we sat in those words. We held tight to them as we loved our loved ones into heaven. They're words of comfort when there's been a new diagnosis, navigating illness, disease, dozens of couples struggling with infertility, they've hung on to these words of hope and comfort. Two weeks ago, one of our kids, Grace Keller, read this passage 
for a dedication, for Ren Johnson's dedication. Two nights ago, I sat on the phone with a friend and read these words as she was caring for a sister losing her eyesight and about to undergo a really serious surgery. These are words that we remember as we're navigating a really uncertain world. But I got to thinking, there's lots of scripture, lots of texts that are beautiful and meaningful and the message is amazing. Why this? Why does it not just speak to me, but to so many? And I think it's this, it's far beyond words of comfort and assurance. I think it's a message of God's love. God's love for us. It's the writer in Isaiah telling us what love is and what love does. And what we know from that passage is that it's out of love that God created us. It's out of love that God names us and claims us and redeems us and saves us. It's God who's the lover and we are his beloved. And we don't need to be bound up anymore in fear and scarcity because that kind of love drives that fear out. And this is what I really love. It's a love that understands the ups and downs and the hardships and the joys and the sorrows of life. And at the same time, it's a, a love that assures us we're not going to go under. That God has us no matter what the circumstances, no matter the outcome. We will not go under. And it's a love that's willing to pay a price, any price, because that's how much he loves us. And that very last sentence, that's the one that I think is the crowning glory. I love, I am with you always, because to me that is the example of God's love to all of us. This is a love that shows up. It's a love that's present. And it's a love that's ultimately God with us. You know, last week I was at a funeral, 100-year-old Denny Anderson over at Christ Presbyterian Church, and one of my old colleagues, a dear friend, beloved to anyone who knows her, Jody Fino, was officiating the service. And she quoted um, Bob Goff from the book Love Does. And I was like reminded, like, oh, I used to love that book. It came out like in 2012. Um, I made my family take it on vacation that year and we read a chapter every day. <laughs> but I loved it because it was a reminder of this beautiful love that God has for us. Just where we are, just as we are. So here's, and it's a, oh, it's a love that changes us. Here's some words from Bob Goff love does. But the kind of love that God created and demonstrated is a costly one because it involves sacrifice and presence. It's a love that operates more like a sign language than being spoke, spoken outright. There's a cost, friends. This isn't a frivolous, hey, this feels good kind of love. This is the kind of love that knows how to navigate those rough waters. This is the kind of love that we as parents understand, that we as caretakers, we as friends who are walking alongside someone that is sick, that is dying. In those deepest moments, we experience God's love. But there's a cost. 
there's a sacrifice to that. And it's in the big and the little. Just a few days ago, I was hearing a story about someone in their third year of residency, medical residency, four-year residency. She's on a team. Um, very suddenly and unexpectedly, she lost her dad. And all those seniors, which are the third and fourth year residents, they gathered together and they sent notes and they showed up at a wake and a memorial service and they brought meals and they sent flowers. And they put their heads together and they made sure that they covered all of her holiday call so that she could be at home with her family for this first Christmas and New Year's when their father and husband was no longer there. There's a cost to that kind of love. There's a cost. So this idea of love does, I kind of like it. What does it do? It's present. It shows up. And that's what matters. And at the end of the day, that same love that shows up, that is the call on our lives as followers of Jesus. A few more words from Bob Goff. I learned that faith isn't about knowing all of the right stuff or obeying a list of rules. It's something more, something more costly because it's being present and making a sacrifice. Perhaps that's why Jesus is sometimes called Emmanuel, God with us. I think that's what God had in mind for Jesus to be present, to just be with us. It's also what he has in mind for us when it comes to other people. That becomes our call. Because when we've experienced God's presence, God's love, and the circumstances of our lives, it changes us. I read something just a couple days ago um, in regards to Jesus, and the author said, okay, Jesus came, your move. And I kind of love that. Like, yeah, Jesus came, friends. We know, we know what the call is. This time of the year, I always, always think about Chase Johnson and the Johnson Fowl family. It was seven years ago that we all kind of realized that Chase was going to die. He'd been battling colon cancer for three-plus years. I met Chase about a year and a half before he died, and that's when I met the Fowls and the Johnsons. Chase was part of this community. He's part of this community story. His family is part of this community. I got a chance to know Chase. Chase loved life. Chase ended up kind of liking me. I actually was looking through some, this wasn't even supposed to be part of my message, but I was looking through um, some notes, a journal I had kept during that time. And uh, Susan, remember how he used to say when we first started meeting, I met with your little friend again today. <laughs> that was me, his little friend, the pastor who showed up. But Chase was funny and loved life, and he ended up loving Isaiah 43. It was his very favorite scripture passage, and we ended up meeting every week. And he'd lay on the couch in the old parlor in Christ Presbyterian Church, and he'd try to get comfortable because he was in a lot of pain, and we'd read scripture, and we'd pray. And here's the beauty about Chase, what we saw in him and we all learned from him. He was strong, and he was courageous, and he persevered. And he knew 
whose he was. He got his strength from knowing that God was with him. He told me that. He knew that God was with him, and that's what gave him the courage to live while he was dying, because that's what he certainly did. He lived while he was dying, and Chase showed up. God showed up in Chase. God showed up in his family, in this community, in his community, in his friends, at his workplace, in the hospital, in the hospice team. And over and over, we all got to witness God with us. And it was powerful, and there wasn't a person, including myself, that wasn't changed forever because of what we witnessed and what we experienced. On New Year's Day, he died on January 5th. Matt and I went over to their house, and we read scripture, and we prayed. And Andrea, there's something you said on that day that was so perfect for what we're talking about today. And I only know it because I'd written it down. And you said this, during these last few years, my faith faltered. I wondered, where is God in all this? And a few weeks ago, I realized that God was here all along. He was here in Chase. It was a beautiful moment. I don't think any of us will ever forget it. But family was there every step of the way, fully present. And again, when we all got to witness that, it changed us to see a mom that fought every fight she could to make sure this young man got every kind of medical care that he could get to fight this cancer. And Susan, you were a prayer warrior. There wasn't a day, a week that went by that we didn't have a prayer request written down from you for Chase. And Randy in his presence with Chase tenderly and constantly, and Pat, the steady, quiet person that kept the family functioning throughout it all. It was sacrificial love because Christy and Andrea and Phil, y'all moved home to your mom's home. Chase moved home too for those last weeks of his life. And y'all cared for Chase in every way that was possible, including bucket lists and trips and all sorts of gatherings and celebrations. I'll never forget near the end when Chase was so thin and weak and being over visiting and a big brother Phil picking him up in his arms, cradling like this and walking him to the sacrificial love. God, Phil and Andrea at their wedding said, I don't want, we don't want wedding gifts. We want everything going to his medical care. Sacrificial love. The meals, the gifts, the fundraisers, the food, the prayers, God showed up through so many. And we were all changed. All changed. There isn't a family member here who hasn't changed their course of life. They're call, they've listened to a different call in life and they've shifted gears. And the story continues. The day Chase died, it was the middle of the night, and I went over and I sat in the living room when the medical examiner wheeled his body out. And not two years later, the day my sister died in my home, Phil and Andy area stopped by because they heard she died and sat in my living room when the medical examiner wheeled her body out. And didn't Susan stop over and comfort my mother 
because only knew, she knew what it felt like to lose a child. We were all changed. We all lived differently. And we continue to do that. You know, um, at Ren's dedication two weeks ago, when Grace Keller read Isaiah 43, I'd pick that. We don't usually read that, do we, for dedications? I picked it because I knew it meant a lot to the family. I picked it because I knew it was Chase's favorite. But as Grace read it, I realized I want that little Ren, I want every child in this church to know that kind of love. I want them to know a love that is with them no matter what happens to them in their life. That this love that is so deep and wide and high and long, that that love is theirs through God. It's the very last week of Advent, friends. The final run to the big day. Love is what God is. Love is the reason Jesus came. Love is the reason that Jesus continues to come every year to every person. That's what this is about. That's it. It is that. It really is that simple. It's a message of love. And what I was reminded of on that gunflit trail last weekend, gosh, if you want to find God's love, look around. We can find and see those God with us moments and all the little things and the big things and everything in between. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that you are a God of love, that you came to earth in human form and you showed us what it meant to love, to stand with others. God, we are so grateful. May we experience your love in the big and the small and the sorrows and the joys of life. Give us the eyes to see and the heart to experience your presence along the way. And in this season, may we experience in a new way the birth of Jesus, the word becoming flesh, God with us. Amen. Thanks, Debbie. Oops, sorry. Uh, this kind of love costs something. Um, I think those are the words that I'm probably going to carry with me tonight. Because um, I was thinking, this is the moment where we kind of turn a little bit and we start thinking about communion. And this is a, um, and this is a habit, this is a practice. This is something that roots us, that centers us, that kind of sets our course for the week or the month ahead, maybe just a few days. And... Uh, I was reminded, as Debbie was talking tonight, that, that we wouldn't have this if it weren't for that kind of sacrificial love. This is the embodiment of that sacrifice. When Jesus was with his friends uh, the night he was betrayed and, and he poured wine into the cup and he, he said, this is my blood, it's shed for you. And this bread, it's my body, it's broken for you. That was the demonstration of that sacrifice. His love cost him something. And we are the beneficiaries of that love. And so I, um, I invite you to remember, as you take out the communion elements that you received tonight on your way in, as you peel back that first tab and you um, take out the bread, hear these words, that this is the body of Christ and it's broken for you. And as you drink from the cup under the second layer, this is the blood of Christ 
and it's been shed for you. And whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we remember that this is a love that costs something, and it's for you. Would you stand with me, and together we're going to say the prayer that Jesus taught us to say. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, I hope you all join us on Christmas Eve. We'll be here at 7 p.m. And we'll be celebrating Emmanuel, God with us. I hope you can all find moments to find those God with us moments in anything that goes on this week. I know I'll be looking. So with that, please put your hands out for the benediction. No matter who you are or what you've done, no matter who you love or what you've lost, no matter where you've been or the places you've stayed, you always have a place at the table because you are a beloved child of God and you belong. Go in peace, everyone.